Hello everyone, my name is Michael and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Climate. Thank you all for the feedback I've received on email and in the comments on the last newsletter. I generally get the vibe that people like the updated version of the newsletter better. I still want to hear what you think, especially if you disagree, so please reach out if that's the case. Also, if you just want to tell me how awesome it is. Hey, hey. This week, we're going to look into why solving the climate crisis is illegal today and what you can do about it. And as next week is election week in the US, we're also going to spend a good deal of time talking about that. Booting Trump out of the office is pretty much a must-do for the climate crisis, or the rest of the world is going to have to do something like a newsletter I show a picture of the, the famous dome scene from the Simpsons the movie. I appreciate those of you who might smile when they see this. What do you think about it? Think of the consequences. We cannot let the US government continue doing what Trump has been doing for the past four years, and it seems obvious that measures such as this can only lead to one thing, conflict. In the news, here are the most interesting and important news items from last week. Story we follow, US presidential election. The US is a major emitter and a run by a climate skeptic and fossil fuel friendly person. We need a change, and after Joe Biden was elected as a Democratic candidate, that change has to be him. Hence, we keep a close watch on his climate aspirations. And now for the news from the past week. The election is next week. Holy shit. And why the new judge, Amy Barrett, will pose a problem for the climate action, even if Biden wins. He did looks at the cost of Biden's climate plans versus Trump's, where the latter's plan can be summed up by the word nothing. And Trump shaking up nowhere. Chief scientist is fired for questioning Trump's newly instated climate deniers. Trump to open up Tonkas National Forest in Alaska, which is the largest temperate rainforest lift to logging and other forms of exploitation. And Chris imagines how to solve the climate crisis after the election in a small game. Better Petroleum's BP's climate aspirations. BP has announced that it will slash oil production by 40%. If history teaches us anything, it is that this will be just another load of bullcrap, just like Beyond Petroleum were 20 years ago. But we will see. By putting the story up top here, we aim to track it very carefully. BP gets first gas in fossil gas offshore field in Egypt. And now for some science and climate news. The so-called sleeping giant under East Siberia has been triggered. Methane releases has begun. And why the record low Arctic sea ice is alarming. And Hurricane Sita makes landfall in the US and causes the largest power outage in 2020. And we also have a link that shows a lot of images about the destruction that this climate fuel hurricane has made. And now for technology news. Europeans bought more EVs and diesels for the first time ever in September, and kids may be helping. Greentech Media takes a deep dive and nerdy look at long duration storage, and even behind the meter storage can beat fossil gas peaker plants at their own game. And now for some startup news. Stripe launches their Stripe Climate Tool, which enables their customers to take contributions that will go directly to carbon reduction companies. Verdant Power is going to deploy wind turbines in the East River of New York City to generate tidal power. And a great profile of Sarah Kearney from the Prime Coalition who pioneered a way to fund cleantech companies with a long horizon. And now for some investing news. The Investor's Guide to Negative Emissions Technologies has been published by a Principle for Responsible Investment. And now for some news about major carbon emitters. 
Arguably the biggest major carbon emitter news this week is that big auto new 2. E&E news uncovers Ford and GM's role in attacking climate action. But hey, you can buy an electric Hummer now, which is literally the response from GM. These zombies threaten the whole planet, which is an article about the Canadian oil patch and its 100,000 suspended oil wells. Seriously, the front page image on this one is more scary than The Walking Dead. A fossil fuel company paid $9 million in bribes, and now the US courts is helping it hide it. And there's actually an article that I missed from last week, but which is too important to miss, and this, which is that Facebook is fast becoming the lobby platform of choice for the fossil fuel industry, with Exxon spending millions on the platform to stop climate action. And now for some news about politics. South Korea pledges carbon neutrality by 2050, and the same did Japan. With all these popping up, one might wonder what the meaning of the UN COP meetings really are, apart from being a way for the fossil fuel industry to affect top politicians. And the EU is trying to stop fossil fuels from suing countries due to action on climate, but Asian countries, including Japan, has blocked it, which is just an example of good old capitalism self-protection mechanisms at work. And I encourage you to sign a petition to put pressure on EU politicians to withdraw the EU Common Agricultural Policy, also known as the CAP, which was passed last week and are being called a death sentence on nature. And now, climate justice. Total faces a lawsuit for human rights violations in Uganda. Cars too dangerous and dirty are being sold by developed countries in developing countries. And finally, South African climate activist who opposed a coal mine has been shot dead in her home. All We Can Save Book Club and other books. Heated All We Can Save Book Club week 4 is back. And I still really don't know where week 3 went, but... And now for your listening pleasure, podcasts. A Matter of Degrees. The episode, Trump's Fossil Fuel Bailout. How Trump has given massive bailouts to the fossil fuel industry. Generation Green New Deal. Episode, Season 1, Episode 6, Joe Biden and the Green New Deal. A look at how the Green New Deal has shaped the election. And Drilled, episode season 5, episode 6, a verdict and a new charge. The case takes a bizarre turn with a sting operation, US subpoenas, accusations of fraud and bribery, and a verdict in Ecuador. The Interchange episode, the state of carbon capture, removal, and utilization. With a growing number of carbon neutrality pledges, the Interchange looks at the state of carbon capture technology. And based on the previous newsletter discussion of the investment, I just happened to discover a new podcast series by the podcast called Political Climate about the divestment topic, which is a few months old. I've only listened to one episode so far, but it's very good. And in the newsletter, I link to all the six episodes from this series. One way to take action. This time we look at politics. The problem. It's illegal today to solve the climate crisis. I got this quote from Saul Griffith in an earlier episode of My Climate Journey, and he recently went on to show one reason why. In his handbook to rewiring America, he shows these two graphs, and you need to look in the newsletter to see them, obviously. Uh, We're usually very much focused on the actual solutions like solar, wind, nuclear, hydrogen, silver pasture, and so on. For instance, in the brilliant work by Project Drawdown. But the climate solutions that we all know and love are not the solutions to the real problem. The real problem is figuring out how we can achieve full market adoption of these technologies as fast as possible. The graph above shows various uh, scenarios for market adoption. In the right side of the figure, we have market type solutions. And while a carbon tax definitely helps, it is very unlikely to be enough. 
Instead, we need to find a way to ensure that you, me, and all of us makes every single purchasing decision right from now on and until the crisis is solved. In the 100% replacement at end of life scenario, you purchase an EV when your old fossil car dies. You replace your gas stove with induction when it fails, and so on. And the second graph shows why we must do this, and the newsletter shows the graph here. And in this graph, we map the 1.5 degrees, the 2 degrees, and the 3 plus degrees to the same graph and as the market adoption graph. And while we can see that to stand a chance of getting to 1.5 C, we must at least go with the 100% replacement in an end-of-life scenario in order to, to reach this one. And it should be noted that today we don't even have a meaningful carbon tax. So this is quite difficult. And the bad news is that it's very likely impossible. For a whole bunch of complicated reasons, it's highly unlikely that these purchasing decisions will be made correct. And this is where the things like climate justice, etc. comes in, because it seems unlikely, even impossible, that a poor person in Africa would be able to invest in a solar panel instead of taking the coal plant that the government is installing. This is also why we must cut the bullshit that fixing climate crisis can't cost anything. It is us in which part of the world that must pay for this. There's simply no other way. But that is not happening without politicians and the people. And that is why solving the climate crisis is illegal today. So how do we get politicians to make it illegal to solve climate change? I feel as disillusioned as an ex-person about this, but we must try because there's no other options. There are many sub-solutions to this, and one big one is the killing of the fossil industry lobby, which we discussed last week, but we'll dive deeper into in a later newsletter. The enemy is lobbying hard against any form of climate action, and they are outspending us 10 to 1. So instead, we must use tried and true democratic techniques to circumvent the status quo. The one thing that sitting politicians is afraid of is losing power, and the one thing that opposing politicians want is gaining power, and that is what we must exploit. One action. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Historically, there has only been three things that has worked for getting politicians to act. Number one is vote. With the Lewis election coming up on Tuesday next week, this is probably the most important thing anyone can do. And don't think that just because you're in the EU or some other place that this is not something you can affect. Talk with all your US friends and colleagues about this and ask them how you can help. Getting Trump out of office is probably the single thing that must happen at pretty much any cost. And all it takes potentially is moving one vote. Number two, join Extinction Rebellion. Once politicians are in power, they immediately get locked into all kinds of power structures that might prevent them from doing anything. The only tried and true technique that has worked in the past is civil disobedience. It helped abolish apartheid, give women the vote, gave India its independence, and so on. The primary group doing that currently is Extinction Rebellion. And you should find the next Extinction Rebellion chapter in your country and join it. Number three, join or support NGOs. There are many NGOs who work on trying to affect politicians to take climate action, such as 350, Sunrise Movement, Friends of the Earth, and so on. And in the newsletter, I li link to a list of 30. And for the majority of my Danish readers, I also link to the Danish chapter of 350. You should find one that resonates with you, give what you can, help them out as a volunteer, and or join an event. And the final thing you can do is to use your voice. Ultimately, if we can make politicians see that every single one of us demand climate action, then they're going to give us that. But in just about all parts of the world, it's still a niche political topic that is pretty much only popular with the least powerful voter group in the population, youth. However, they have shown that in a group they can be extremely powerful. And that is why it's especially important that if you don't belong to this group, that you use your voice. Talk with your friends and family about it. Post articles on social media. Get them to see how important this issue is for their future and their children's future. Especially if they resist, then keep on raising the issue. Community. Help a stranger. What do you think about political action? Are you happy with the current status quo? What else can we do to act? What else can we do to get politicians to act? Have you already joined some of these groups? 
What are you hearing from your friends when you discuss climate change with them? And remember, the most important thing you can do for the climate this week is talking to your US friends and colleagues about climate change and the election. I've given you plenty of ammunition to take down Trump on climate action. Let me know in the comments below how you see political action and how we can get it to work for climate action. That's it for this week, folks. If you feel like I'm missing something, please let me know at michael at weeklyclimate.com. And if you enjoy this newsletter, don't forget to share it with your friends, co-workers, and people you think could benefit from reading or listening to it. And if you got directed here by a friend or another link on the internet, don't forget to subscribe either to the podcast and or the newsletter. See you all next week.